right now. People huddled in homes listening to the preached word of the gospel. So welcome. Thank you, Promise of Victory family. Thank you to the guests that may be watching. Thank you for each one that took time out of your Sunday to join us. This word has been prayed over as much or more than any sermon I've preached in a long time. I have been doing a series. This is the end of a three-part series called Deadliest Viruses. And this sermon has been brewing uh, in my spirit for probably three or four months. I thought I was going to preach it in another series. It did not work out. Now I know why. It was supposed to be the conclusion of this series. God knows what he's doing all the time. And so this morning, we're going to take our opening text out of Proverbs chapter 22. If you'd like to follow along wherever you are, we're going to begin in Proverbs 22. But then we're going to go over to Numbers 33. And then we're going to go over to Judges chapter 1. So uh, we're going to be hitting you with a lot of scripture up front. But I'm telling you that this message... Uh, needs to be given to someone today who has been struggling with their walk with God. I'm, I'm going to be speaking specifically this morning on the topic of unfinished business. The deadliest virus of unfinished business. And I'm going to be speaking specifically to folks this morning who have been struggling with their walk. You don't know why. You, maybe you come to church on a regular basis. Maybe you uh, are constantly in prayer. Maybe you love worship music. But your walk with God is a constant reminder of failures and symptoms of disease that you didn't even know your spirit had. And you don't know why you feel so distant from God. This morning we're going to deal with this uh, deadliest virus of unfinished business because some of you have started well but I'm not going to be talking to you about starting well this morning I'm going to be talking to you about finishing well Proverbs chapter 22 seems like an odd verse for this message but let's let's read it together Proverbs 22 and verse 3 a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences I want to bring that to your attention again. A prudent person sees danger coming and takes precautions. But the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. One thing that we have learned through this last couple of months is it doesn't take very much to make the human body sick. That's why they're constantly telling you to wash your hands, cover your mouth, don't touch your face. Stay six feet away from other people. Why? Because the things that make your body sick are very small. Even my microscopic. The virus that we are trying to avoid, the virus that we are separating and segregating ourselves away from other folks because of, isn't some big hairy monster. It's not an avalanche or a mountain in our way. It is a microscopic, uh, mic uh, a very, very small, almost seemingly insignificant thing, but it can make you very sick. As it is in the natural, so it is in the spirit. You can go to church all the time. You can listen to worship music all day long. You can pray morning, noon, and night. You can do all of that, and it still won't take much to make your spirit sick. 
As a matter of fact, you can give God almost everything. You can give God almost all the parts of you and still suffer the consequences of giving Him partial devotion. Following God with 99.5% of you is leaving entirely too much space for the enemy. When God gets ready to bless you, and yes, I'm talking specifically to someone, your life is about to get blessed. But please be aware that when God gets ready to bless you, the enemy refuses to just sit by and let it happen. The enemy is always going to get himself involved in your blessing. I'm going to show you uh, something this morning in the beginning of this message that's going to uh, drive that point home to you. God had a plan to bless Israel, just like he has a plan to bless many of you. And God's plan to bless Israel was this. He said, I'm going to give you a land that is flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to give you a land where you will take over wells that you did not dig. You're going to live in houses that you did not have to build. And you're going to take over vineyards that are going to be ripe and you didn't even have to plant them. And he said, I've only got one requirement. Don't forget me when you come into that land. And Numbers chapter 33, he says it like this. Verses 51 and 52. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you cross the Jordan River into the land of Canaan... You must drive out all the people. How many? All the people living there. You must destroy all their carved and molten images. How many of them? All of them. And demolish all their pagan shrines. How many? All. Notice how God doesn't allow any room for misunderstanding what He's trying to say. He says all. A-double-L all. Not some, not most, not 99 and a half percent. All. He said, don't leave any unfinished business behind. I'm about to bless you. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but some of you have been asking God for blessings. And you think you deserve blessings, or maybe you feel like that you really desperately need a blessing. But I need to ask you, before God blesses you, how much of you does He already possess? Because He told Israel, I'm about to bless you real good. I'm about to give you a land that is unlike any other land that you will see. I'm going to give you a God-shaped land, a God-sized miracle. I'm about to give you something that only I could give you. Nobody else can bless you like God can bless you. Nobody else can touch you like Jesus can touch you. But before God gets ready to give you those kind of miracles, He needs devotion. He says, before I give you that kind of miracle, exactly how much of you do I already own? Because 99.5% is leaving entirely too much space for the enemy. So how did Israel do with God's command? Remember what God said. God said, I want you to drive out all the people. Say that with me at home. All the people. Hmm? How many of the people? All the people. So how did Israel do? Well, let's go over to Judges chapter 1. When the Israelites grew stronger, beginning with verse 28, they forced the Canaanites to work as slaves. Wait a minute, stop right there. God said, take all the enemies out. This verse, which is many years later, says that when the Israel grew stronger, they put the Canaanites to work. Why are the Canaanites still there? Well, read on and it'll tell you. Because they never did drive them completely out of the land. 
Verse 29, the tribe of Ephraim failed to drive out the Canaanites living near Gezer. So the Canaanites continued to live there among them. Uh huh. Verse 30, the tribe of Zebulun failed to drive out the residents of Kitron and Nahalal, and the Canaanites continued to live among them. Do you see a trend developing? But the Canaanites were forced to work as slaves for the people of Zebulun. Verse 31, the tribe of Asher failed to drive out the residents of Akko and, and Sidon and Alhatlab and Akzeb, Helba, Ikphib, and Rehob. Instead, the people of Asher moved in among the Canaanites. Do you see what's happening here? God said drive them out. And instead of driving them out, they left them in the land and now they're living with them. They failed to drive them out. Verse 33, likewise, the tribe of Naphtali failed to drive out the residents. Instead, they moved in among the Canaanites who controlled the land. Verse 34, as for the tribe of Dan, the Amorites forced them back into the hill country and would not even let them down into the plains. Now, I wish I had time to preach a sermon in and of itself right there. How if you leave the enemy in your promise, he will drive you out of your promise. If you leave unfinished spiritual business, I don't care how many blessings God gives you, the enemy, if he's living there, will drive you out of God's blessings for your life. This is serious spiritual battles that we're fighting this morning. At verse 1 of chapter 2, the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim. Pay attention to that word. He met them at Bochim and said to the Israelites... I brought you out of Egypt into this land that I swore to give to your ancestors. And I said that I would never break my covenant with you. For your part, do you see what God says here? God says, I'm going to give you a blessing that only I could give you. And you only had one job. You had one thing to do. For your part, you were not to make any covenants with the people living in the land. Instead, you were to destroy their altars. But you disobeyed my command. Why did you do this? So now I declare that I will no longer drive out the people living in your land. You're going to have trouble from now on because there will be thorns in your sides and their gods will be a constant temptation to you. Verse 4, when the angel of the Lord finished speaking with all the Israelites, the people wept loudly. So they called the place Bochim, which means weeping. They called the place Bochim, which means weeping. It means weeping. Pay attention and hold on to that. It'll come back later in this message. So God said, I'm about to give you a blessing that you have asked me for. When they were slaves in Egypt, I'm going to be teaching on this on Wednesday. When they were slaves in Egypt, they begged God to get them out of Egypt. God, we need a blessing. God said, I have reserved a place for you. I have reserved a blessing for you. I have given you something that nobody else could ever hope to give you. And you've only got one job. Love me enough to not want to share my blessing with the enemy. you got one job. Get out every enemy that's squatting on that property. And they did almost everything God asked them to do. But God said, almost is not nearly good enough. 
I want you to understand that going into the promised land, each tribe had a prophetic promise. They each had a destiny that God had hand-selected for them. And all they had to do to live out their days in that land and to be happy was to kick the enemy out. I'm going to say that another way, but I'm going to apply it to you and everybody in this room. The only thing that you have to do to live your life out happily is to kick the enemy out. We have far too much unfinished spiritual business in and around our homes, in and around our minds, in and around our attitudes, in and around our marriages, in and around our relationships, and we wonder why our life is one chaotic mess after another. We wonder why we can't sleep at night. We wonder why we are a nervous wreck all day long. We wonder why we're always in fear. We wonder why we can't receive the promises of God. I'm going to tell you, you have one job. Get the enemy out. The only thing you have to do is to not get sick by this deadly virus of unfinished business. The past two months, the CDC has been very active in teaching us how to avoid catching the coronavirus. They've been giving us all these safety measures and a list of symptoms to watch out for. And the one thing that scares uh, most people more than anything else is that they have informed us that you can be uh, infected and not even show symptoms. You can be sick with the virus and be contagious and not feel sick. So this morning I want to do the same thing for your spirit that the CDC has been trying to do for your body. I want to give you three sickness symptoms, three precautions for staying healthy, but unlike the current virus that we are fighting in America and all around the world, I'm going to give you one antidote. They don't seem to be able to figure out already uh, nearly good enough an antidote to the coronavirus, but I have an antidote to your problem this morning. So the first thing I want to give you is three sickness symptoms. What is the danger of having unfinished spiritual business? The first danger is when you don't give God everything, when you don't drive out all the inhabitants, when you don't tear down all the things that they worship, when you try to make friends and buddies with the world, when you only give God 99.5% of yourself, you try to control what God wants you to eliminate. That's the first sickness symptom. God said, get it out. But the Bible says Israel tried to control their enemies. Did you read what I read to you? Did you pay attention that Israel was trying to utilize the enemy? They were trying to make slaves out of the Amorites. They were trying to use the Canaanites for forced labor. But God knew that if you leave the enemy in your neighborhood, you will eventually compromise what you know to be right and fall in line with the enemy's plan. Can I tell somebody this morning, you're not as tough as you think you are? You can't play with sin and expect sin not to come back and control you. If you try to control the flesh instead of crucifying it, you're leaving too much room for the devil. If you're trying to control the devil instead of casting the devil out, You've given him entirely too much space in your life. The second sickness symptom that I want to warn you about this morning is that the enemy will always leave you in tears. Whenever we leave the enemy close by, 
We're going to face the enemy every day. You can't just face the enemy on Saturday night because that's the night you want to get turned up. This is a problem. If you leave them in the land, you will face the devil every day and you will always end up in tears. God found Israel in a place called Bochim, the place of weeping. You need to know this morning that you cannot entertain the enemy without it causing you pain. If you don't get the enemy out, not some of him, not most of him, if you don't eliminate all of him out of your land, you will feel pain. You will suffer consequences. It doesn't matter how often you come to church. It doesn't matter how often you raise hands. None of that will matter if you are living in deliberate disobedience to God's plans. The third sickness symptom that I want to bring to your attention this morning is that spiritual enemies that you refuse to finish will finish you. Spiritual enemies that you refuse to finish will finish you. I don't have time to talk, tell you everything uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 15 this morning, but I just want you to know that in 1 Samuel 15, Saul was ordered by God to destroy all of the Amalekites. And he did 99.5% of what God told him to do. He did almost everything. But instead of obeying all of what God said to do, he did most of what God said to do, and he kept some of the stuff that he wanted to keep. He did what a lot of church folk do today. He made a little compromise. I'll give God my Sunday mornings. I'll give God my Wednesday nights. I'll give God my revival time. I'll give God some service at the church. But don't get involved in this area of my life, God. But I'm going to say something this morning that God laid in my spirit a, a, a spell back. And I've not shared it yet. There was a reaction in heaven to disobedience on earth. Listen to that again. There was a reaction in heaven to disobedience on earth because as soon as Saul disobeyed God, God spoke to the prophet Samuel and said, Samuel, I have rejected Saul as king. There was an immediate response from heaven when earth decided it didn't have to obey. So Samuel goes to Saul and confronts Saul and says, Saul, did not God tell you to get rid of all of the Amalekites? And if you haven't listened to anything this preacher said this morning, pay attention to what Saul does. Because Saul starts making excuses for what he left behind. He starts making excuses for his unfinished business. He says, oh, oh, I know I didn't kill all the sheep, but I was going to take them to church. I mean, you folks are dating somebody that you know you ain't supposed to be messed up with, but you're going to take them to church. I mean, you got something going on in your life, but you're going to sanctify it by bringing it to church. It sounds so spiritual. Can I tell you that we can talk ourselves into absolutely anything? Oh, oh, it's okay. I, I, I know we're not married, but we're in love, so it's okay if we move in together. Oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. They mean a lot to me. I know that they don't go to church, but, but I don't want to hurt their feelings, so I'll do what they want one more time. Or how about this one? Oh, I need my money. It doesn't matter if the government knows about it or not. They got plenty of money. I need to raise my kids. 
We make excuses for the things we want to hold on to, the unfinished spiritual business that we have. But Samuel looked at Saul and said, Saul, don't you know that it is always better to obey than to sacrifice? There's only one job, obedience. And God said, do not think that I can give you total blessing when you have given me partial obedience. The Amalekites continued to live because Saul did not finish the job. Saul was supposed to eliminate all the Amalekites, but he left them alive. And in 2 Samuel chapter 1, the Bible says that on the battlefield, years later, Saul is wounded in battle, and it's an Amalekite that takes the crown off of his dead head. Saul asked an Amalekite to kill him, and after he had fallen on the sword, an Amalekite took the crown and took it back to David. Saul does not drive the enemy out, and he gets reminded years later that if you don't finish the enemy, the enemy will finish you. So I've got a question I need to pose to you this morning. What should you have gotten rid of already that is killing you today? What are you carrying around that you should have killed already, but it instead is killing you? Is it lust? Is it fear? How about bitterness or unforgiveness? How about that angry spirit? It's killing you today because you have not gotten rid of it yet. Those are the three sickness Symptoms. Now I want to give you three precautions for staying healthy. Three precautions for staying healthy. What does the CDC keep telling us? If we don't want to catch the coronavirus, there's three things that they keep telling us. Wash your hands. Stay isolated, social distancing. I'm preaching to an empty room this morning because we are social distancing. And number three, don't touch your face and don't touch hard surfaces in public and that's why they want you to continue to to wash your hands so those are the three things that the cdc says are, are precautions for staying healthy wash your hands isolate yourself from other people and don't touch your face well i'm going to give you three precautions for staying spiritually healthy one wash away your excuses When God says get rid of all of it, He doesn't mean most of it. Get rid of all of it. Do it and do it today. Today is the day of salvation. The second precaution is isolate yourself from the lies of the enemy. See, every sin that you've committed started with a lie that you believe. The enemy will tell you things like, this will make you happy. The enemy will lie to you and say, this isn't hurting anybody but you. Or he'll lie and say something catchy like, you know you deserve this. And once you begin to believe a lie, you are well on your way to spiritual sickness. So isolate from the lies of the enemy. And the third thing is don't touch it again. 
Don't touch your face. Don't touch hard uh, surfaces. Don't cut, touch doorknobs. Wear gloves because they don't want you to touch things. Well, to stay spiritually healthy, I want to tell you, don't touch it again. Don't go back to what made you sick. You have to dedicate all of you to God, your mind, your body, your soul, and you have to do it now because if you continue to go back to what made you sick, you have not built up an antibody to it. You are going to get spiritually sick again. So I've said all that to say this. I've given you three sickness symptoms. I've given you three precautions for staying healthy. And now I'm going to tell you that unlike the coronavirus, you and me, we have an antidote. We have the cure for this disease. On a hill called Golgotha, Jesus was stretched wide and hung high. His blood shared for everybody. And Jesus' comment from the cross was, It is finished. The antidote for your sickness was shed on a cross. It is finished. Not it will be. Not it could be. It is finished. Over in, the, over in the book of 1 John chapter 3, the Bible says that this is the manifest of God, of God, that the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. In other words, Jesus came on a mission. Yes, He came to save us, but He also came to disarm and dethrone Lucifer who claimed to be king. But when Jesus died on the cross, he took principalities and powers captive and said, it is finished. I am giving the antidote for the problem of sin. And I need you to know this morning, his victory is complete. Heaven has done everything that heaven needs to do to make you free. Heaven has done everything that it needs to do to get you loose from that thing that is killing you. Heaven's job is finished. What about you? He has finished the victory over the devil so that you can have victory over the devil. But you have to finish your business. We've got far too many people coming to church all the time living in partial victory. People playing worship songs in their vehicle all day. People coming to the altar when we have services having partial victory. People connecting with other Christians or connecting with believers and sharing things on their social media quips from prominent preachers or songs that they say touch their spirit. They're volunteering to pray for people and they're only living in partial victory. But Jesus declares over your life, it is finished. It, the virus, the thing that is trying to kill you, the infection, 
the setback, the holdback, the bondage, the stone in front of your grave, the torments, the mental anguish, the heartbreak. The anxiety, the depression, the heaviness in your soul, the way that your mind wanders and you can't seem to find respite, the guilt and the shame, the things that are holding you captive, it is finished. He's not still working on an antidote. He's not in heaven's laboratory trying to come up with a solution. It is finished. He is not trying to accomplish anything. He's not even trying to pull you free. Because he said, I have given you everything you need for freedom. Now it is up to you to use the antidote. You don't want to be sick anymore. Use it. If you don't want to be bound anymore, it's free. If you're not trying to control it when it's really controlling you, use it. Even if you've struggled with this thing for 20 years, it's finished. Even if... Even if it has defeated you over and over and over again. Even if it's beaten you time and time again. It is finished. Even if you've never been able to live one day of your life without this thing pulling you back and pulling you down. It is finished. So my question to you this morning is how long are you going to keep it around? God said it's finished. What do you say? God said that thing, that unfinished business. I know you've been coming to church for a long time. I know you've been serving the Lord for a long time. I know your excuses. I've heard them. I'm doing my best. I'm making do with what God gave me. This is the life that I have chosen. I've heard all the excuses. This is how I was raised. This is how, uh, th- this is how I have to handle life. I've heard them all. But the answer is always the same. It is finished. Heaven considers it done. God says it's finished. What do you say about it? How long are you going to keep it around? How long are you going to try to live in a land flowing with milk and honey and continue to ask God for blessings? My God in heaven. How often are we living in a blessed place? but continually asking God for more blessings because we're not enjoying the fullness of the blessed place, not because God's not good, but because we have left the enemy in the blessed place. Listen, your struggle is not your boss. Your struggle is not the person you married. Your struggle is you. Your struggle is who you have allowed and permitted to have property, real estate, in your life. The moment you decide it is finished, you will come into alignment with God. And God will drive the inhabitants out of your life. You've got to stop playing. You've got to stop reaching for 
you got to stop keeping them around just in case and say, this is finished. Once and for all, this is finished. If you're sick and tired of being sick, you'll do something about it. I can preach until I am blue in the face and my juggler vein pops out of my neck and hangs off my lapel and it will not set you free as long as you are interested in keeping the enemy at arm's length. Get rid of it. If you won't get rid of it, heaven has already declared it's finished. Heaven's not going to intervene for you. You have to become the landlord of Canaan and drive out the inhabitants. And until you decide to do that, you will never enjoy the fullness of the blessings that God has in store for you. This might be the deadliest virus of them all. Because just like they say about the coronavirus, you can have it and not even feel sick. You can be contagious and not even know you're contaminated. So this morning, I want to ask you one last time and then I'm going to get out of your way. How long are you going to keep this around? God said it's finished. What do you say about it? If you bow your heads with me this morning, if this has resonated with anybody this morning, if this is something that you have struggled with, you've been wondering why your walk is the way it is, if you've been wondering why every time you take two steps forward, you take three steps backwards, if you've been wondering why every time that you have claimed promises of God that you don't ever seem to, you you go so far, but there's always a a roadblock, there's always something standing in your way, that you, you, you think you're trying your best, but this word has permeated your spirit this morning, and you realize that you have made far too many compromises. I know you thought that God wouldn't care about this one thing, I know you thought that God was okay and and Jesus was cool with this one decision, but you realize now that this one compromise has let the enemy live in your promised land. I don't know about you, but a 20-ounce steak sounds good, but uh, if you put a cockroach on one ounce of it, I don't want the whole steak. Some of you are living in a house that you didn't build with vineyards you didn't plant and wells you didn't dig. And you can't even enjoy the blessings of God because you've got a roommate called the devil that you have not driven out. And it's time for you to say, this is finished. Depression, this is finished. Anxiety, it's finished. Fear, rejection, heartbreak, misery, dysfunction, bondages, addictions, it is finished. If you have your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I'm ministering to somebody. I just feel in my spirit that the Holy Ghost is working in somebody's spirit right now. And I profess and proclaim over your life right now that it is finished. That after today, you are going to send me a message on Facebook later on down the road, or you're going to see me in person. You're going to say, Pastor, that day that you told me to finish my business, I did it. I made a decision that I was not going back, and I was not going to let the enemy live in my promised land anymore. I finished my business that Sunday morning. I know we wasn't in the house of God, but we were in His presence, and God and the Holy Spirit did a work in me, and it is finished. If that's you 
this morning with your eyes closed and your head bowed. Say, God, I'm finishing this thing and I'm asking you to help me. Give me the strength. Some of you need to block some phone numbers out of your phone. Some of you need to uh, disconnect from some folks because that's the enemy that you've left in your life. Some of you need to change your attitude. Some of you, before you lay your head down at night, uh, you need to say, God, I need you to arrest this spirit of fear that I sleep with every night. I need you to evict this spirit of discomfort and discord that I have in my marriage. I don't want to think these thoughts. I don't want to have these angry outbursts. I want to be free in the name of Jesus. It is finished by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has completed every good work and it is finished. And it's not just finished to my sins, but it's finished for my life and I'm walking in freedom because Jesus has set me free. I profess and proclaim that over someone's existence this morning that your home will be settled because it's finished. I profess that your mind is going to be settled because it is finished. That he brought liberty to the captive for somebody today because it is finished. And you're going to evict the enemy out of your life once and for all. And you're finally going to be well when you did not even realize you were going to be sick. In the name of Christ, do this work, Holy Ghost. Amen. And amen. Thank you for your attendance this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness through this situation. States are beginning to open up. People are going back to work. And slowly but surely, we're going to start seeing more and more things happen that we recognize uh, that we have had to temporarily give up, but one of those things will be eventually coming back to the house of God. So sooner rather than later, I believe, uh, we'll be back together again. It won't look the same, and it's not going to be exactly like it was, not for a while, but at least we'll be back in the house, and I won't be talking to a camera alone anymore. But still be in prayer. Pray for the uh, leaders of the nation and of the states and the municipalities and the, and the cities and the uh, pastors of churches and business owners. and pe- get, Pray for us to have wisdom and pray that God would give us everything we need uh, to lead through this time that we have never, ever had to lead through before. We have no precedent for it. We don't know how to accomplish it, so we're having to do it uh, through godly wisdom and prayer. God bless you. I pray you're all safe. We love you, and we can't wait until everything is again back up and running, and you are blessed, and the economy is thriving again, and you're able to go back and do what it is that God called you to do and ordained you to do, and you walk in that calling and that fulfillment. And until then, don't let your spirit get sick, even though you're guarding your body and making it well. Let your soul prosper. Keep your spirit well and don't catch these viruses god bless you promise of victory we love you see you soon